Welcome to the Behind the Curtain Podcast, your real-world guide to real estate investment and property management. In this episode, Aaron and Brett chat about their experiences day-to-day and provide their analysis of how the housing market is changing, and they also offer up their opinion on statistics and projections for how the property market will progress throughout the remainder of 2021 and beyond into 2022. So day-to-day, what are you guys seeing in terms of market shift? Are you seeing any difference in what it takes to win offers on behalf of your investors? And what would be your latest assessment for how this year is likely to play out? Nothing's changed. The market's still uh, riding pretty high. I, I think deals are getting a little bit better. And we're finding more and more inventory versus uh, the amount of buyers we have. I still have quite a few buyers, but the inventory is getting a little easier to get your hands on, um, especially out in areas like Raleigh, Whitehaven, where three months ago you threw a bid on a house, eight grand over asking, and you weren't even close. So uh, I'm hopeful that now that we're getting to the end of summer, close to fall, uh, the investment market is, which typically slows down. Um, we've set our investors up to rock and roll between Halloween and uh, Valentine's Day. So we have a lot of investors sitting tight with their cash, just waiting for uh, fall to come, holidays to hit, and inventory to be uh, exceptionally much better than it is today. So hopefully that's what I'm dealing with, writing offers left and right. That's great news. You know, I think I saw a note that you sent the other day or I was I was listening to a, a previous podcast episode and you were talking about how the ratio of the number of offers that you've been writing versus the number of offers accepted yeah. has narrowed the, the margins. Win, the win-loss ratio is is turning finally. That's really cool. That's great news. I went back, you know, because when you go into AuthentiSign and you write a new offer, it tells you what number that offer is. Oh, wow. So this year I've written 162 offers. Wow, Brad, that's a lot. 162. Now, obviously, I didn't win that much, um, but I think my win-loss ratio was probably 30-70, maybe. I'm at 37 houses this year, so out of 100, so what is that? Less than that. But recently I've submitted, this month alone, I've submitted about 12 offers, and it looks like we'll end up with about half of those accepted. So yeah, the ratio is changing. And none of my offers are over asking now. Before they even over asking, cash, 10 grand over asking, we still weren't getting them. Now we're throwing $1,000 over asking, cash, and we're getting them accepted. So, you know, one of the things that we're going to talk about today is how the fundamentals are changing in the marketplace. I'm not a huge Jim Cramer fan, but, you know, most people who watch, I think he's on MSNBC yeah. or some. Okay. So Jim Cramer's out there and he is. Um, he's sort of a bear when it comes to the oh, stock yeah. market. He's he wants to caution people. He he's hilarious. He's over the top. Sometimes I think he's drunk. But regardless, probably all of those. I think <laughs> <laughs> so. He was he was really slurring his words yeah. the other day. It was pretty funny. Um, but he said something really amazing uh, two days ago or yesterday on MSNBC. He said maybe we should just trust this market and see where it goes. Think about every time we've had a, a serious financial crisis in the stock market or even the housing market. 
It was when people got warm and fuzzy, thought that the rail car goes up only and never comes back down, and I'm going to get on it and ride it. And as soon as you hit where you have guys that you know drive a forklift that's FedEx now getting a stash app and put money in the stock market, that tells you that the the general public's become comfortable with the volatility of the stock market enough to where they think, well, it's at whatever, what is it, like 20, what's it at now? We're talking about the Dow? Yeah. Oh, nearly 36,000. Almost 36,000, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So this time last year was in the, what, mid-20s? Um, it's been flirting. You know, once Trump got in there, it, it the, the, the speed from which it went from 26,000, because it took a lot to get there, but it was between 24 and 26,000. So it was like 21 or 22 when he took over. That's correct. He hit 26 in, like in his first year. Yeah. And so, um, so it, it, it shot up. Under his um, under his time there, but even crazier, and not to get political at all, but under Biden, it not only did it not quit, but I believe that people saw that the inflationary capacity, which is measured by the CPI, mm-hmm. right, um, just showed uh, acceptable amounts of inflation. That being said, and one of the things we're going to talk about today is that something like five, the the value of the stocks that are invested in right now can be measured by $5 out of every $6 that that stock is trading for has actual market like value or relevance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it basically this, the, the investments are sound five out of, how do I say this? Five sixths of the value of each stock that you could purchase on the Dow is a fundamental. It can be fundamentally supported. Mm-hmm. So the speculation is only one sixth of that, of that stock. And at its current trajectory, what Jim Cramer was trying to say, for example, is that there's enough fundamental support of the value sure. in the stock market that you should not be cautious, that you should be all in. I, and I agree with that. I'm a believer that, unfortunately, we're still riding a train that Trump put into motion. Um, and I think the current administration is slowly pulling those brakes on it one piece at a time. And I think when it starts coming to a stop, the stock market is not going to continue going up. It's going to level off, and it's probably going to have a, a correction. The housing market is going to do the same. Uh, we talked about this last podcast. I personally believe it's going to start sometime this time next summer. Um, I think we'll have inflationary period, continue rising uh, values, uh, hot market, and then sometime next summer, it's just going to take a – not a dive. It's going to take a dip. It's going to dip down, and it's going to level off. And then we're going to go back to the way it was in 2019 where we're selling houses and everybody's fine. You get it for market price, maybe a little under. And I think we're just we're riding a residual train of economics that I don't think can withstand what's coming. Yep. This well, is my opinion. Yeah. Well, and I'm not a stockbroker. I'm not an expert by anything. I want the economy to continue doing well. I want the housing market to slow down because I think we're in a we're – we're in a dangerous place right now. Like we could set ourselves up for a bursting bubble if we're not careful. I could, I think there are several, there are several different variants or variations to use a, a popular term right now. I don't know mm-hmm. if anybody's watching, you know, I, I think I can say without getting in trouble, like the Marvel movies and the Marvel sure. television shows that are out there. It talks about how there are several different possibilities, you know, that can right. happen in the future based on what's happening. There's like, always several possibilities. Right. Well, I got to tell you something. I had no idea that COVID was coming. No. No idea. Like, uh, some is, people did. I well, think some folks did. 
I think you're right. But no, we had no, we couldn't plan for COVID. That that caught everybody by surprise. At the same time, we can't predict what's going to happen after the Christmas holidays and all. everybody's blown tons and tons of money shopping and buying gifts and all that. And we get into the first quarter of next year. Um, and the reality of, of legislation that's taking place now will begin to set in then. And that's why I think we'll start seeing the housing market begin to taper off and then start sliding down slightly. I don't think it's going to be a fall and then slowly kind of level off. And this time next year, we'll be sitting here, you know, laughing about COVID and the ridiculous market last year and probably begging for it to come back or something like that. <laughs> well, let's let's throw some statistics on this uh, conversation. So um, we had a recent article that came out. Uh, there were multiple sources on this article. One of them is uh, Fortune magazine. Um, somebody basically read and digested what was found in Fortune magazine. Uh, also, Realtor.com and um the core logic index. So we're going to talk about a few things. The reason why there's a huge shift in housing right now. Um, so first of all, initial statistic is that, um, uh, in 2021, we, we've broken some records already. And if, uh, projections continue year over year, um, from, you know, August of 2020 to July of 2021, um, then we're seeing some trends that are going to, permanently impact the U.S. housing market, not the least of which is that, um, and this is probably the biggest uh, figure in here, um, prices grew from August of last year until the end of July this year at 17% nationwide, um, and that's a record. Uh, they've, they've never done that over the, the history of of, of, of uh, no. record keeping of what housing prices have done uh, over, the, over the entire United States. We have some housing inventory fluctuations as measured by Realtor.com, uh, not the least of which that COVID caught us by surprise. Uh, by April of this year, inventory was down 53%, 53% nationwide. Yeah, inventory is down because you put a house on the market and within three hours you had twenty two offers on. Right it. now, of course, the selling of the properties has lowered the lowered the the number of homes available. But right. read that next part, which I thought was very interesting about how uh, inventory actually went up year over year three percent yep. in May and then nine percent in June. And so, what would you attribute that to? Well, I think that a lot of homeowners that wanted to sell, even investors that wanted to sell, the market was super hot. But they weren't quite sure because they realized, well, I'm going to sell my house. I want to move. But if I sell high, I'm going to buy high. Well, now they're seeing a slow cooling of the of the owner market. And listen, this isn't because people ran out of money or there's no houses. It's because kids are now about to start back to school. Everybody's new, moving in their new home today. And no one's going to – very few owner occupants are buying after August 1st. That's true. So because of that – Folks that now own a home that wanted to sell and move earlier realize now they can. I can probably get a pretty decent price on my house and actually put a pretty decent price down on another home that I want to go to. So you're just seeing um, um, the people that are doing that today are the folks that don't have kids starting school. They're not people. They're people that maybe they have high schoolers that can drive to school and they don't really care if they live in Carterville or Germantown. Right. The summer crash for homes was because you had people with five, six, seven-year-old kids wanting to move to Carrierville, wanting to move to Germantown to get their kids in these schools. And so they were buying homes 
literally as if they had gold stuffed in the walls like you kind of like going and uh what's that what's that show where they have the the storage units and they just bid on it and open it up see what's in it that's pretty much how they were buying these homes it was just ridiculous so now that's taped off i think we'll we'll see a an increase in inventory all the way around and like it says there it'll become a buyer's market a little more in a buyer's in, in the buyer's favor versus than how it's been this summer right and a couple of more factors that are going to contribute to the fact that this is going to become a buyer's market is that the federal government has been uh, protecting home owners from foreclosure okay so we've had these foreclosure um, uh, prevention programs uh, we've had uh, forbearance programs that have been required by the right. federal government with the banks. I'm not sure that the banks are offsetting the debt at all. They're just simply requiring the banks to hold off, not allow. Uh, well, that ended July 31st correct. or was it August? Yeah, July, July 31st. 31. But here's here's a difference, and I, I get this question a lot from investors. Why shouldn't I just wait until all these foreclosures start hitting and we have this massive housing issue and, and just pick everything up pennies on a dollar? Mm-hmm. We're not going to see that, all right, because – Bob and Betty Jones paid $200,000 for a house seven years ago. They're now behind because Bob got COVID and was in the hospital and lost his job and they can't pay their bills. Great. Bank of America tomorrow is going to send them a notice (laughs) that you're now uh, eight months behind on your payment. Right. You don't qualify for a modification. You don't qualify for a forbearance anymore. So therefore, you need to get current or we're going to foreclose on you. Two things are going to happen. One or two. Bob's going to get pissed off and tell the bank to stick it where the sun doesn't shine. He's going to ride it out till they foreclose on him. They'll probably sell the house for 300000 at auction. Give Bob the $80,000 that was there. Uh, but the more likely scenario is that Bob realizes, I can't catch this up. Get an agent, throw it on the market for two seventy five, and sell it the next day. Pay off the bank and move on. So we're not going to have this this laundry this huge long list of national foreclosures across the country that you can just go in and scoop up for pennies on a dollar. I think there's way too much equity in the properties that will be foreclosed on that a homeowner will be willing to take that short short the sale a little bit, but put some cash in their pocket and move on. So, I mean, I do think, though, based on what you're saying, that that is going to give an opportunity for investors okay, sure. and for you and me. Like, you know, if you wanted to go and upgrade your house, if I wanted to do the same, we probably could. And in a softer housing market, which is influenced by more inventory. Right. Right. Um, then there are going to be some opportunities, especially in the foreclosure market, for us to be able to step in as owner occupants, which for our listener, traditionally, uh, the federal government has preserved the rights of an over of an owner occupant above that of an investor or an institution to right. purchase foreclosures. So that means that Brett and I as individuals if we find a property that's in foreclosure, we find out when it's going to be auctioned off on the courthouse steps as long as we've prepared to to do what they require of us, we should be able to go there and say I would like that home and I'm going to bid against other buyers that are going to be owner occupants ahead of investors and institutions looking to purchase those properties. So I do think that there are going to be opportunities, and I I think you and I agree that our investors in 2022, starting in 2022, and maybe for a couple of years, mm-hmm. are going to be able to take advantage of a new sure. wave of distressed buyers um, and be able to pick up properties for less than their market value. Right. And listen, buying a home, getting an investment property with equity is obviously a plus. 
but when you're when you're fighting in a competitive market and you're going up against 10 to 15 other investors trying to get the same home focusing on the the market value is kind of a short-sighted way to approach this the way you approach it is what's my all-in cost and what's it renting for if it's producing $1,100 a month and you paid $110,000 for it, including all repairs, you're in at a 1% number. That's great. Let's say the the market value says it's only worth ninety five. Who cares? You're getting 1100 a month for it. You can get your 1% because what's going to happen next year? That value is going to, the value of that property is going to go to 100, maybe 102, oh. then 105. And what is the rent going to do? Rent's going to go from 1100 1150 1195 for, for you listeners out there, if you're not already doing this, focus on the cash flow and your all-in costs and quit worrying about what the CMA says or what the market price is. I've had so many investors lose deals because they would not go over asking, even though the ROI and rent calculations said they could go up another $10,000 and still make it cash flow the way they wanted, but they wouldn't. And they kept losing because the smarter investors through the the value out the window and just went straight with the rent comps and how much money I'm going to have invested when I turn it over. Right. And we've seen more of that. You know, uh, Enterprise as a company has been very conservative. And I all the agents that you'll speak to here, to here at EPM Real Estate are also conservative. Look, we don't want you to make a mistake at all. But there's a point in the in the in the the curve of the investment curve, if you will, to where the benefits uh, of the the future benefits of your investment that you're making now based on projections and value and rent price growth and all of that stuff it makes sense to take more risk while you can absolutely especially in light of what we're talking about right now which is that this is the very last year of the trump tax plan next year is the first year of the biden tax plan so so many people there are a lot of sellers in the market right now that say look it means more to me to sell you my house now um and not take those major hits on my personal taxes than it will for me to wait and sell it to you next year and be in an unknown uh, tax year. The issue of the taxes are going to hurt the short-term people. Right. The long-term people, whether you're buying and living in it, whether you're buying and holding for 10 years, the new tax plan is not going to affect you. It's going to affect your income. Yeah. But it's not going to affect your affect your capital gains. But the seller is who I'm talking about. Yes. Let's let's break this open real quick. It is way important for so many of our sellers mm-hmm. to get rid of the house this year. So to our listeners, and I'm very excited about this point. We are in the last six months of what could be the most advantageous tax year for the next foreseeable four years. Sure. Okay. So having said that, for all the sellers that you and I speak with. They are they're in a, a, a closing window. They need to sell this year. So again, I think there are going to be opportunities for buyers as the market softens softens a little yeah. bit as this housing boom, as some of these articles that we've read say is cooling. Uh, dude, I I think there are going to be some great buying opportunities in the third and fourth quarter of this sure. year. I do too. Well, I don't know if the tax situation is going to be as detrimental. I mean, if you if you if you sell a home that last year you'd have made a hundred grand on, this year you can make one hundred and seventy grand on. Oh. You can still sell it next year, make one hundred and seventy, pay pay your taxes on it, and still come out more than you would have last year. So I, I guess it's really going to come down to looking at the 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 uh, the dollar signs for the seller as sure. to whether it'd work or not, or whether the tax issue will be a bad thing. Now, granted, you're going to give up a lot more money, right? But 
you're still going to come out way ahead. You know, a lot of our sellers that are liquidating with us right now have multiple properties across the country. Mm-hmm. So the net value of or the net sure. proceeds to their bottom line is actually going to increase their tax tax bracket. That's true. And so, I, you know, just because you and I are selling one house to a buyer, we're assisting, you know, we, we do a lot of buyer's representation. So we're selling one house to that buyer. We have no idea what that one house uh, the the tax implications are going to be for that one house to that seller because they're looking at their entire portfolio. Uh, some of our sellers are thinning their portfolio. They're keeping, they're strategically keeping their best houses while selling their marginal ones. Uh, some of our sellers are at the end of life or the, the end of their investment life. And so they want to liquidate everything while they can. Um, we don't know their 1031 exchange situation. A lot of our sellers are looking to take the proceeds of the properties that they're selling and move them into other properties in Hawaii or in the mountains, Wyoming, Indiana, uh, uh, Idaho. Sorry, I can, it's hard to get those two confused. <laughs> but <laughs> you get what I'm saying. Like, this is such an exciting time. And I personally believe that there's going to be a ton of energy in the market all the way up to December 31st. I agree. You and I are going to be getting calls and closing attorneys are going to be working on New Year's Eve. I agree. Trying to close these houses before the end of the well, year. if I'd done my job right with my investors, they're all sitting on a pile of cash waiting for October. November 1st to start hunting. Right. I just had a call with a new guy. He's out of New York. He's got a ton of cash. Love it. And he's wanting to start hunting. I said, why don't you just wait until wait until Halloween? And then let's, I said, I'll look for a good deal for you. I'll find you something that if it's out there that that's worth getting today. Yeah. But if not, be patient. Wait till November 1st and we'll hit the road and we'll spend every dime of that and you'll get a much better deal. Yeah. Because you'll have more inventory than buyers. It's, it's basic economics. Some, some I think the month of October is going to be practice- practice buying. You know, I think what's going to happen for you and me and for our listeners, this is something that Brett and I do all the time. This is a really important benefit of working with us. Uh, Investors, they get to know me or Brett independently. We introduce each other. You know, Brett is sales, me is property management. And we start helping them project what the actual return on their investment is going to be. Um, Brett, of course, is is assisting them in saving as much money as possible on the buy. I, of course, am uh, speaking with them about the potential rent growth, um, you know, over the next two to three years. And uh, we're helping them construct the concept of how that investment is going to perform. Um, So uh, all that to say, uh, I believe that practice purchasing, you know, with Brett and with me, uh, buyers, if you're wanting to know what the potential value of properties are, um, you know, what the return on investment is going to be, start calling us, you know, in September, in October, if you're looking to, you know, make offers in November, Uh, that's really crucial. Um, you know, price fluctuations will be marginal, I think, between October and November. But the number of properties which can be picked up, that's going to increase, I believe, as we move into November. Yeah, supplies going up, uh, demand will drop, and that'll 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 curb the the uh, the Super Bowl uh, pricing issue we had this year. A couple more quick uh, uh, statistics as we leave this topic. Um, one is the CoreLogic Index has said that uh, they predict prices nationwide are going to continue to climb uh, from 
August 1 of this year in through June of 2022 by an additional 3.2%. So that tells us two things. One, we are still on a growth pattern when it goes to the, the average home value in the United States. And the second thing that it indicates to us is that uh, the housing boom is slowing. Um, so this meteoric rise in prices, 17%, um, you know, year over year ending August 1, that that is cooling to now 3.2%, which is a much more reasonable factor uh, of appreciation over the next calendar year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the second thing I wanted to point out right before we left statistics, uh, what is this? Um, it is a proven fact that the, the cost to rent uh, to the renter or the, or the rental value of properties that is a trailing indicator of housing value growth. Mm-hmm. So, and I know I make this point all the time to our investors, but I, you're a believer, you know? I, oh, yeah. yeah. So the reality is that, you know what, if we've got a 3.2% growth in housing values over the next calendar year until June, 2022, we are probably going to continue to see rents grow even for a year to two years after that June 22 sure. point. So, um, you know, we're going to see uh, inflation in rental cost for for several years. And so you've got, Brett just made this point earlier, you've got to take that into account when you consider the future performance of that property that you're purchasing. You do it this way. You don't buy stock because it's at the peak. You buy stock in the market banking on its future, right? Its rise and its increase in value. You should buy real estate the same way. If you go in and buy real estate for what it's producing today, you're really, you're selling yourself short because you'll, you'll end up missing deals that you could have picked up just by being more aggressive and just working on the cash flow versus all-in cost and get away from the, the, the market value. So don't sell yourself short. When you go out and put an offer in, be aggressive. Look at your numbers. See what number you need to be all-in at. If you write a full... Write an offer ten grand over asking, contingent on inspection. Then you go in there and realize it needs twelve grand worth of work. Great, negotiate the price down, get your all-in cost at one ten, and rent it for eleven hundred, and be happy. Um, or do the wait till that tenant vacates at nine hundred. Do all the work. You're in at one ten and rent it for eleven hundred. I mean, that's, you need to be looking at what your performance is going to be four or five, six months from now when that current lease expires, and once you've done all the repairs and get away from the market value. Market value means nothing to me when you're talking rental properties. Right. If you can spend a million dollars on a house if it only rents for a thousand dollars a month, it's not a good investment, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> not a good investment. So um, it, it works both ways. Both ways. Well, fantastic. Um, you know, our producer had asked us to talk about what's going on, you know, right now in the marketplace. And then, of course, you and I do what we do and go down a, a really good rabbit trail. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. Um, so I just want to tell you a little bit about property management. Um, one of the things that I predicted uh, earlier in this year uh, was that the number of homeowners who were dissatisfied with the manager that they had picked up initially, you know, in the first six months of 2021, the previous year, 2020, you know, that they would become frustrated with a lack of organization or they, they felt like the property manager was inexperienced. And so they wanted to change property management. And this is a great time to change your property managers. You can only improve. Hopefully, if, if you're, you're working with a smaller, newer, uh, less organized property management company, or let's say that your realtor that sold you that house is managing that property while also selling investment properties to other 
homeowners not paying attention to the day-to-day requirements of property management. Now is the time to move. Now is the time to move to to a property manager who's been around longer, who is you know has a more mature approach to the public, has more notoriety to the tenants here in Memphis, um, has a stronger, more organized maintenance approach, better accounting, better bookkeeping, just in general a better reputation and a better approach to property management. So the point that I'd like to make is that we're covered up at new management calls. Right. Not just from you. And I love I love brand new investors to Memphis. I love talking about what we can do, but also seasoned property sure. owners who have said I've done everything I can to work with this person, can't do it anymore. I've given them a termination date. Will you take over? And then the difference in those calls, by the way, when I talk to a new homeowner, it's at least an hour. Mm-hmm. And then there's introductory paperwork and some other stuff that we do. And we end up working with that new buyer for three months. Sure. Okay. And we love it. We love that very much and want more. Okay. These seasoned investors who are, they have three to 10 houses. They just want one month's accounting to look correct. Right. You know, right. you know they, they're like a 10 minute phone call and mm-hmm. then they're done. They're like, I'm sold. Send me the paperwork. I'll sign it. Go for it. Yeah. The number of those have increased uh, tremendously, I would say, in the last 18 months, you know, specifically in the last 60 days. Yeah. So that's exciting for us. You know, if you go to our website right now, if you go to MyMemphisRental.com, you'll see three houses for rent. Three. That's it. Out of uh, well over 500. Yeah. Um, That says a lot about the market. And we'll talk about that later. But um, the but we're but more houses are coming on there are more vacancies that are coming on we are seeing an an, an increase in inventory rental inventory here in in memphis too so uh, both of those things inventory should go up in both of our uh, realms sure. of real estate i expect mine to yeah. uh, to to jump i i probably end up about 60 something houses maybe 70 this year I believe that. And probably most of that, the majority of that's going to hopefully happen between October and Christmas, which is normally the time I can sleep in and not have anything to do half the day. Thank you for listening to Behind the Curtain Podcast, your real world guide to real estate investment and property management. Be sure to subscribe at BehindTheCurtainPodcast.com. And if you'd like to learn more about Enterprise Property Management's real estate services, please visit us on the web at epmrealestate.com. This has been a Sound Ideas Group production for Enterprise Property Management, Inc.